Dearly beloved brethren, the scripture moveth us in sundry places to acknowledge and confess our manifold sins and wickedness, and that we should not dissemble nor cloak them before the face of Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, but confess them with a humble, lowly, penitent, and obedient heart, to the end that we may obtain forgiveness of the same by his infinite goodness and mercy. And although we ought at all times humbly to acknowledge our sins before God, yet ought we most chiefly so to do when we assemble and meet together to render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at his hands, to set forth his most worthy praise, to hear his most holy word, and to ask those things which are requisite and necessary as well for the body as the soul. Wherefore, I pray and beseech you, as many as are here present, to accompany me with a pure heart and humble voice unto the throne of the heavenly grace, saying after me, Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep, we have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who desireth not the death of a sinner, but rather that he may turn from his wickedness and live, and hath given power and commandment to his ministers to declare and pronounce to his people, being penitent, the absolution and remission of their sins. He pardoneth and absolveth all them that truly repent and unfeignedly believe his holy gospel. Wherefore, let us beseech him to grant us true repentance and his Holy Spirit, that those things may please him, which we do at this present, and that the rest of our life hereafter may be pure and holy, so that at the last we may come to his eternal joy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen.
Here begins the 15th verse of the second chapter of the book of Genesis. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Here endeth the first lesson.
Here beginneth the thirty-first verse of the thirteenth chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto Jesus, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye, and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And verily I say unto you, ye shall not see me until the time come when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Here endeth the second lesson.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of a Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Almighty God, the fountain of all wisdom, we humbly beseech thee to bless our sovereign lady, Queen Elizabeth, and all who are set in authority under her, that they may order all things in wisdom, righteousness, and peace, to the honour of thy holy name and the good of thy church and people, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God save our gracious sovereign and all the members of the royal family. Amen. Let us pray to God, whose compassion never fails and whose love is everlasting. Heavenly Father, keep the church faithful when troubles come. Give your people courage to ask not for freedom from suffering, but for strength to endure. Help us to care for others and to comfort their distress 
by the grace that reveals the mystery of love through suffering. Have pity on the troubles of the world, through war and violence, through human sin and natural disasters. Give to all men, women and children true compassion for suffering and the will to work for its relief. Grant that in our love for those near to us, we shall never forget the distress of others. Help us to use for good the gifts that you have given. Come with your healing power to any and all in this community who are in particular need at this time. We pray for all who are afflicted. Heal the sick in body or mind, and those who are weary with long illness. Comfort those who are sorrowful. When we do not know how to help others, accept our silent care for them and our trust in your mercy. Loving God, we pray for the departed, whose dying has been hard and full of suffering. Grant them the wholeness of eternal life, for all tears are wiped away and there is no more pain. We pray these prayers and all the prayers of our hearts this day, in the name of and for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Like many of the population, one of the simplest things that I've enjoyed throughout our numerous lockdowns this past year is going for long walks. And my walks have been particularly enjoyable since my move to London. With the opportunity to explore this wonderful city, meandering up and down streets, soaking in all the architecture and attractions that up until now have really only been familiar through film and television, watching the news, or maybe a rare game of Monopoly. Living in the parish, my walks very often take me around St Paul's Cathedral, over the Millennium Bridge, maybe past the Globe Theatre and then on to Borough Market. But my slow, often mindless wandering is somewhat disturbed, disturbed each time I approach Borough Market. For I can't help but bring to mind the events of the 3rd of June 2017, to the horrific terrorist attack that took place there and on London Bridge. I'm always struck by what devastation and fear such violence must have brought to this normally vibrant and lively area. And it penetrates even deeper now that London is my home and these areas are part of my daily life in my locality. But this act of violence and all others like it don't just create devastation and fear, but in my opinion, they are also motivated by fear. Fear of the other, fear of the unknown, fear of difference. Very sadly, fear begets more fear. And fear, whether rational or irrational, whether it's conjured by the idea of difference in our fellow human being, uncertainties about the future, or an unwelcome diagnosis from the doctor, has immense power to affect us emotionally, psychologically, physically and spiritually. It has the power to disable, to unravel us, to make us do and say and act in ways that we least expect and that we just don't recognise in ourselves. And it was fear that the Pharisees were appealing to when they approached Jesus and advised him to flee for his life, lest Herod kill him. Whether their intention was for good or ill, a point that scholars have very differing views on, the fact that the Pharisees were telling Jesus to leave presupposed that he would react in fear to Herod's supposed authority. Yet how wrong they were. Jesus' reaction to them is a powerful one. He calls Herod a fox. And in so doing, Jesus labels him for what he is naming his true character in that one word. That one word is loaded, to say the least. Those hearing Jesus at that time would have understood that foxes were a symbol of destruction. Additionally, in Jewish rabbinic sources, a fox would be used to describe one who was weak and a pretender, someone who tries to be something that they're not. And if that's not enough, in the original Greek of the New Testament, the term would be understood to, de to denote someone who is indeed very clever, but in a cunning, conniving manner. 
So these definitions collectively paint an extremely vivid picture of Jesus's view of Herod. One who is clever and cunning, who pretends to have authority, but in actuality is weak and ultimately brings destruction. Here, Jesus is very explicitly naming the power that threatens him. For in naming it, he shows us that it has no hold or authority over him, and that despite the threats, he will continue doing the Father's will today and tomorrow and the third day. A brief comment that draws our minds to his glorious resurrection on that third day. And just as Jesus' immediate response to the Pharisees is powerful, it's also quite surprising. We're so used to hearing that we should love and pray for our enemies, that when hit on one cheek, we should turn the other also. When asked to go one mile, go two. There seems to be no end to the teachings of compassion and forgiveness, grace and mercy in the Gospels. And as many of you will know from my previous sermons, for me, of course, those teachings are the very essence and core of our faith. But what of such direct and accusatory language that Jesus uses here? Should we follow his example? Does he give us permission to call a spade a spade, to turn to those who threaten us and call them a fox or a bigot or even worse? In a word, yes. There is a place for straight talking in society. There must be times when strong words articulated in the right way and directed at the right people are good and proper and absolutely necessary. We must speak out for justice and truth, calling out those who cultivate fear or hatred or discrimination. We must expose racism and sexism, transphobia and Islamophobia for what they are. We must find the means to speak truth to power and stand up for those who are abused and oppressed and persecuted. And not only those whose persecution is well known and well documented, but also those whose oppression in society goes far under the radar, not making the headlines or the hashtags. But for all that we must speak out against the perpetrators of violence and hatred and those who cultivate fear, we have an even greater responsibility than that. We have a responsibility to look beyond the person, beyond the thief, beyond the abuser, beyond the terrorist, and speak out with truth and authority, not against our fellow human being, but against the evils and powers that threaten our world and theirs. It is St Paul who reminds us in his letter to the Ephesians, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. We live in a world where we are all too often reminded of our own fragility and vulnerability. Where events unfold that have the potential to fill us with great fear. And sadly, often that fear arises through the actions of another. 
And yes, there will be times when we must be strong and pointed with our words. Yes, serious and substantial consequences are necessary in response to grave and cruel deeds. And yes, there are times when the actions of others will inevitably demolish the relationship that we once had with them. But let us never lose sight of the fact that each person has the spark of the divine within them. Each and every body on this planet reflects the image of our Redeemer. And no behaviour, no action, no attitude or decisions or mistakes are beyond the redeeming love of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. To finish, I'd like to read you a brief story from Father Mike Kinman of All Saints Church Pasadena. He's a prison chaplain, and here he recounts offering the imposition of ashes on Ash Wednesday two years ago. He was doing this to inmates at what is called the Twin Towers in California. It's the world's largest jail, and it's America's largest mental health facility. Two things which Kinman highlights are completely incompatible. He writes this. We went to the top floor of Twin Towers. The top floor is where the most deeply damaged images of God are warehoused. They have committed crimes, some of them heinous crimes, and there is an absolute need to have them protected from themselves and to protect others from them. And you will never see people in deeper need of healing and less likely to receive it. Imagine a kennel, only a kennel that would be shut down and the owners arrested if dogs were treated this badly. Pods of cells where human beings are kept in isolation, thick concrete block walls and a thick plexiglass window on a thick metal door. The cells are empty except for a metal bed bolted to the wall and a metal toilet. The whole unit smells like urine mixed with a slight odour of disinfectant. We step over fluid and around trash as we walk from cell door to cell door. An officer walks me to my first cell. I stop at the window and shout so my voice can be heard through the concrete steel and thick plexiglass. And through a combination of words and gestures, I indicate to the man inside that I am here to offer ashes. The man inside, naked except for the blanket wrapped around his waist, comes to the door. I gesture downward and together we kneel. The guard unlocks a lock and opens a slit designed for a tray of food to pass through. Our eyes meet as they fill the opening of that narrow slit. His hand appears and reaches out. I reach in and through and grasp it. His hand is cold and clammy. I wonder when the last time he had another human being touch him. He leans his forehead against the slit and reaching through it with my ash-covered thumb, I make the sign of the cross on his forehead saying, you are beloved by God. You are beautiful and you are powerful. Remember that God sees you. Remember that God is with you. Remember that God loves you. One of the last cells I go to, the guard won't even let me open the slit. 
He says the person is too dangerous, and even though I say I'm okay with that, the guard refuses. The man, whose name is Alan, screams and pounds on the plexiglass window, and when I go over to him, he leans his head against the plexiglass. I make the sign of the cross in ash on the window where his forehead is touching. Alan steps back, looks at the ash, touches the window, touches his forehead, and smiles. There is no tomb so remote. There is no wall so thick. There is no wound so deep that the love of God cannot find, penetrate, and heal. The cross of love we are currently journeying towards won the victory over all principalities and powers and wickedness. And when it won that victory, it did so not only for you and me, not only for our friends and loved ones and those we happen to hold dear, but it won that victory for all flesh and blood. No one is beyond redemption. Thank you for joining us online this evening for Choral Evensong. Um, you're especially welcome if you're joining us for the first time. Um, please do check out our websites or our social media channels for all that's happening within our parish, both in person and online throughout Lent. We've got quite a, a fair bit going on, so please do check those and join in with whatever you would like. You would be most welcome. A few highlights of our Lenten season include um, Zoom social hour, coffee hour, after the morning Eucharist every Sunday, that's at one on Zoom. Um, also via Zoom, we've got Lexio Divina, which is a contemplative prayer practice. And for the weeks of Lent, instead of an in-person or an online study course or such, the clergy of the parish will be offering um, little sound bites um, online which will include some words, um, some music and some art. So please do look out for those as well. Um, from our website you can also sign up to our weekly mailing list and that will keep you updated with everything that's going on both in Lent and Easter and beyond. Um, now for the, the usual appeal, if you are able at all to contribute financially to the parish then we would hugely appreciate that. Um, it does cost a lot for us to keep up our ministry and our presence here, both in Smithfield and beyond, in person and online. So you will find links from whatever channels that you are watching this through 
and anything that you give, big or small, would be very, very much appreciated. Thank you. So now to end our service, please bow your heads for God's blessing. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen.